Yo, 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 welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah, and boy, oh boy, do we have a good one for you today. I know, it's it's back to normal. It's been a while, I know. It's been a very long time, but I, I've been busy with calling Crestridge basketball games, which I hope you guys have been tuning into, and I've also been doing some other things, so that's why it's been very inconsistent the last month, and really to start the semester. But guess what? We're back, and we're about to do some more Just Talking Sports right here. It's alive. You know how it is. It's the greatest time when I get live with you guys. And so today's episode, we're going to talk college basketball. Hey, listen, they, they brought out their first the first look of the top 16 teams in the March Madness tournament of a, as of right now. Then we're going to move on to the NBA, which NBA hasn't been playing because of the All-Star break. But we'll get into some news that's been happening throughout the break. And then the final thing is we're going to finish it off with the NFL. And listen, it's the last time we're going to talk about the NFL for a while. And so I'm going to give it a boom. I'm going to go over how I did with my predictions for the divisions and the conferences and my seating so we'll see how that goes and then also I'm going to do a little bit of quarterback carousel to give you my prediction on where some quarterbacks could go this offseason but without further ado let's get into it with some college basketball and right off the bat let's talk about who is the best team in college basketball right now it's so hard to pick who a bet the best team is in college basketball just because of the transparency and all of the teams always finding ways not only to lose but finding opponents that are hard especially when you go on the road that's the problem you have is when you go on the road it gets tough those environments are hard for those college students and the pressure's on them so that's why you see a lot of teams kind of stumble in road games and that's why it's so amazing that March Madness is back to its full capacity this year when it goes to the neutral sites and the fans are going to be electric. The upsets are going to be amazing. The Cinderella stories are going to be awesome. Cinderella story last year obviously was St. Peter's, the Peacocks, you know. So who will it be this year? Well, we'll find out once conference tournaments start and those upsets already start happening in those tournaments. But let's start with this. The top five teams right now is Houston number one, number two is Alabama, number three is Kansas, number four is UCLA, and number five is Purdue. Houston at number one is 25 and two overall record. Alabama is 23 and four. Kansas is 23 and five. UCLA is 23 and four, and Purdue is 24 and four. One crazy stat is there is no ACC team in the top five, which it, it, it definitely makes sense because the ACC is underperforming this year. You can say what you want. One of my Final Four team predictions. May not even make it into the tournament. North Carolina, they have looked really, really bad this year. And it's been, whether that be team play, whether that be some coaching, some injuries haven't helped, but they haven't looked good. They've not won a quad one. They have not won a quad one game all year. And I will get into North Carolina in a minute, but I just wanted to say that about North Carolina. Now, let's talk about this. Those five teams, right? You, you, it's been fluctuating. Purdue's finally fallen off a little bit. They've lost a couple games. Then you had Alabama, who lost after going number one last week to Tennessee at Tennessee, who Tennessee had lost to Vanderbilt and Mizzou on back-to-back games by buzzer beater. So that's crazy. Kansas, obviously, is Kansas. We thought they would take it maybe a step back because of winning the national championship and some players leaving. And instead, they've actually built a team. I wouldn't say that's better. It's not better than what they had last year, but it's more, I would say, more intense, more grit in them. They fight more till the end. They don't give up, and that's why they win games in the Big 12 like they do. And then you have Houston. Houston's 25-2, and two, but they do play, obviously, in the American, which is one of the which is the weaker of all those conferences that we're going to talk about. Purdue, obviously, is in the Big 10. They have some stuff. So Houston is in the American, but they did play a really good non- 
uh, schedule, non uh, non conference schedule. So they they do have a really good resume with them. Now here here's the thing about Houston. I'll say this is honestly Houston. I would think is the most the most scary team out of those five. Not just because of their offense, but it's their defense. They're so uh, versatile with their players. They can switch everything. They're so tall, lengthy, and they they just they just get after opponents' offenses. So that's why I think they are going to be the number one seed, not just because of their roster, but also because I don't see them losing again. They might get upset in the American, but will that drop them far enough to get them out of the true number one seed in the tournament? We'll see, but Houston is so versatile, they can switch everything, and their defense is so gritty that that's why they're this... I, I, I could see them being the scariest team out of those five, just because you can you can use them wherever you want. They're so tall. They can jump so high. I watched them the other, night, the other day against Memphis, and I mean, what they were doing, I know they only beat Memphis by eight, but still, the way they were playing was... It was it was fabulous, honestly, just because of the way they could switch uh, the screens and be on the on-ball defender and then go over and get the rebound. I mean, it, it, it is truly remarkable what they can do over there. Now, when you move on to Alabama, Alabama, I, I don't know how to say this in the sense, but the SEC is is competitive. We'll give them that. They're competitive. Obviously, they're not like the football that goes to the Big 12. Big 12 is the basketball conference. SEC is the football conference. We all know this. But here's the thing about the SEC. I think Alabama has had a way easier time getting through their schedule in the conference play. And as much as we want to talk about it, yeah, they lost to Tennessee at Tennessee. So they did beat Auburn at Auburn. But Auburn's not the Auburn team we thought they were going to be. They beat Mizzou, Missouri, Mizzou, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they, beat, they beat the Tigers in Columbia. And... We could say, oh, well, they didn't have Kobe Brown, the best player for Mizzou. Yeah, but still, they put it on Mizzou. So Alabama is that shaky team. I think I think Alabama is the fourth best team uh, out of those five. And so then my second team would be Kansas. I think Kansas is the second best team in uh, college basketball right now. Uh, you can you can take me on an argument, and I would listen to you about it, just because, like I said, this is a fluctuated top five. But I'm saying right now, Kansas is number five or number two, just because of the way they play, the way they grit out games. Like, okay, you go back uh, a month ago, you get blown out at home at the Fog. You never see that, but you get blown out by the Horn Frogs of TCU. Okay, last night you played TCU at Fort Worth and uh, at their place, and guess what? You beat them. You didn't run them off the floor, but you played a game to your style, and you won. It was that grit style where you go up and get those rebounds. You get the second chance points. You go after the loose ball. You play a tight game, and you find ways to win. When you have McCullers, you have Wilson, Grady Dick, I mean, Adams, KJ Adams is playing well. Those guys are playing well, and we're not even talking about other players on their team. So it's, it's a way they're moving, and Bill Self always has it their way with their guys, especially the halftime. I mean, you can go back to last year. Their halftime, uh, what Bill Self does at the halftime, I want to know what he does if he gives them cupcakes or something because whatever he does at halftime, it works so well for his team. Look back at the national championship. Okay, you were down. Guess what? We come back and win against North Carolina. Okay, earlier this season, I went to a game, and guess what? They were down by 15 at half two. Oklahoma State, guess what? They come back and win. They find ways to win games. They will fight to the end, and that's what's so different about this team. Like I said, this isn't the best all-around roster that Bill Self has had, but guess what? This team knows how to fight and grit, and they will find ways to win games when it gets later on into the season, especially when it gets to the tournament time. That's how you got to find ways to win games. 
when you don't have a really good game offensively, this team for Kansas is going to find a way to get something going on the defensive side that can cause fast breaks for their offense. And that's why it's so crucial for them, and that's why I think they're a really, really scary team come March because I do believe they could repeat. Grady Dick uh, doesn't get enough credit for how he plays on the boards and defense. Yeah, he's a really good three-point shooter, but do you see him going over and getting his offense rebounded on his own missed shot? Do you see him getting some steals, going up for rebounds? So that's where the hustle and the grit from that Kansas Jayhawks team is actually more surprising than anything. Now, for my uh, fourth team, or for my third team, I should say, I'm going Purdue. I know Purdue's lost a couple games here, but listen, they have the best player in college basketball in Zach Eady. Zach Eady's a beast. Uh, you can you can, you can can argue with me, but you're going to literally lose that argument because Zach Eady's the best player in college basketball. He's the tallest player. He knows he's so good. He has transformed his game from where it was last year to this year. He's scoring. He's getting the rebounds. He wasn't a scorer last year. He was getting in so much foul trouble. He wasn't doing nothing for this Boilmaker team. And guess what? He found a way to re revamp his game. He's staying out of foul trouble. He's making really good shots. He's getting the rebounds. You know he's going to get the rebounds, but it's the shots that he's taking and making is what's really made him a really good player, and that's why he's going to win, I believe, the best player, uh, the nameless uh, player of the year. And talking about that, let's talk about that as, as it's our question of the day. It is this. Who was the player of the year in college basketball last year? So who was the uh, college player of the year last year? And so as I'm talking about Zach Eady, I believe he's going to win it this year. That's why I bring up the question right there. So that's the question. But Zach Eady, not only that, their team is so good. They know how to play well. And yeah, they went through a tough stretch where they've lost a couple games. They lost to Northwestern at Northwestern. That that's a tough place. Look at Northwestern. They're they're looking really good now. They're up to a 60. They were literally 2 weeks ago looking outside. They were looking on the outside in of the March Madness tournament. Now they're projected a 60. That's how well they've played the last 2 weeks. So, that that's turning into a really I wouldn't say a good loss obviously, but I'm saying it doesn't look as bad as people thought it would turn into. And so that's why it comes out like that. And so Purdue is going to find ways. They're going to stay in the hunt. They're going to stay in the top 5 throughout the, the regular season, and I, I think they're going to get another, uh, they're going to be one of the one seeds. I think they're going to be the third one seed. It, and then you have the fourth one, which will be obviously Alabama. Now, the fifth team we haven't talked about that I have in the top five is UCLA. And the reason UCLA, I don't think, is going to get a, a one seed is because of this. They play in the Pac-12, and as much as we can debate Pac-12, the Pac-12 is playing down just like the ACC is, but the ACC is way worse than the Pac-12. But UCLA has had some tough times. I know they've lost four games or 23-4, and four, but listen, when you can't find consistency on offense, it's hard for your team to get going. And, I mean, you'll see it happening from time to time, but I I think they are probably in the range of more of the 5-7 best team in, in uh, college basketball. And that's why I don't see them as a one seed going into March Madness, but I don't think they're way out there where they can't get to a one seed. They got to play well, and if they go out and they win the Pac-12 tournament and they win out for the rest of the season, I think they can get there. And it's really legitimate that they can do that is win out and then win the Pac-12 tournament. If they do that, then I do believe they can win, uh, get to a one seed because as much as I've said, okay, I don't see Houston losing in their tournament. You have Alabama, Kansas, and Purdue. Okay, Obviously, Kansas, I've talked about it. I think they're the, the second-best team out there. But here's the thing. The, the the Big 12 is so good. Like, I mean, you think about it. They are the best conference in college basketball. K-State, TCU, Iowa State, uh, 
Kansas, K-State, uh, you also have other teams out there, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech's got healthy. I mean, you go up and down that uh, conference and you really have where almost everyone in that conference could get in legitimately, but obviously they won't. But I'm just saying, like, that's all there. Baylor, I mean, what a win by Kansas to go on the road and beat Baylor and beat TCU in the last two games. So there's those things. So that's why Kansas is there. And I think they're going I think they're going to do just enough in the Big 12 tournament if they don't win it that they're going to stay a one seed just because of how good the Big 12 is. Now say Baylor goes out and wins it, then you're going to see Baylor. And so you might have two Big 12 teams getting a one seed nod. And so like you can see Purdue losing because you have Indiana. You have uh, like we said, Northwestern. So those guys, they can they can lose. Obviously, one bad game and you're done in tournament play, especially when it comes to not only your conference, but the March Madness. So that's why it's so crucial to have multiple ways of going about it. All right, so now let's move on to this. I just said what I think my, my five teams are. It's Houston, Kansas, Purdue, Alabama, UCLA, and that order right there, okay? So there you go. Now let's move on to this. I already I already mentioned it a little bit, but North Carolina. North Carolina has to be the most disappointing team in college basketball this season. You start out as number one in the AP polls and whatever, and we can we could go on and on about the ranking system, and that's fine. But listen, you come out and you literally are the runner-up. You lose in the national championship to Kansas, obviously. You were up big at half, and you lose that. That's fine. You bring a lot of your players back, and guess what? Where what are you doing? Like what is happening? Why are you playing the way you are? It it it's not good. Like you're not playing very well at all. And so when you could be the first team uh, to be ranked number one at the beginning of the season and not make the NCAA tournament, that's 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 a problem, North Carolina. And for you to be that kind of team, it, it's it's crazy to me. You're 16 and 11. You're ninth in the ACC. Ninth. That that crazy. You are one in five versus AP ranked teams. You've only won one game versus a, uh, a ranked team all season. It's it's not looking good for you, North Carolina. And you're going to have to win out and probably win at least one game in the tournament of the ACC to even get in. And the thing is, is you have Virginia still, which is ranked, obviously. Virginia at home, so you can win that one. You also have Duke at home. Okay, cool. You go on the road against Florida State. Florida State. I mean, Florida State's that kind of team that could trip you up. So, it's insane to me what we're what we're talking about here with North Carolina. You can get tripped up and lose, and then you're going to be gone. You can't lose one game. You can lose. Okay, I'll say this: if you lose to Virginia, you'll be fine. But if you lose to Florida State or Duke, nada, 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 nada. You have to win the games on the road, and you honestly should win out if you want a legitimate and not be scared come Selection Sunday. You have to win out and win at least one game in the ACC tournament to even get in with, I would say, breathing room. If you lose one and then you don't even win a game in the ACC tournament, you're going to be done. You're going to be the first team ever to be ranked number one to start the season and not make the tournament. And that's crazy to me to think about that. That is, that, That's wild. Who would have thought North Carolina would be that team on this season? And like I said, it's, it's wild to me because you guys, at the beginning of the season, you had injury problems, so that, that, that was it. But when you come to conference play so far, you just haven't looked good, and your your chemistry's been off. You're not getting the ball inside. It's just like, like Baycott's not getting the ball enough, in my opinion, inside where he's a beast. And so I know he 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 was injured a little bit early in the season, but still get him the ball. He's one of your better playmakers. You have R.J. Davis. I know you have Kayla Love. I know, but your offense needs to run through Baycott because Baycott, if he's on, he's going to get double teamed and it's going to find someone open out there. So that's why. You have to run the offense through Baycott, and you haven't been doing that. And guess what? It shows in your record. 
Now, like I said, they, they brought out the first. They gave you gave us a sneak peek of what the March Madness committee uh, committee thought was going to happen if the tournament started on Saturday. And so we have the 16 teams. We're going to go by region just because that's how we should do it, right? So we will go through region on who is in the tournament and who's the top four for each of those regions. Let's start with the South, which will be in Louisville. That's where it'll happen once you get down that far. The number one seed, and it's actually the number one overall seed, is Alabama. And the two seed in the South is Baylor, which is the seventh team. So if you understand one seeds, there's four of those. Then there's four two seeds, four three seeds, and four four seeds. So I said Alabama's a one seed, and they're, number, they're the number one overall one seed, so they're the one team. Then you have Houston in the Midwest, who's a two. So it's going by, when I say, okay, Houston's a one seed, but they're ranked two. That's what I'm telling you, all right? I just wanted to make, make it easier for you listeners out there. So in the two seed in the South is Baylor. They're ranked seventh. The three seed is Virginia, who's 10th. Number four seed in the South is Indiana, and they're 13th. You move on to the Midwest, which is in Kansas City. Woo-woo, going to be a party there. One is the Houston. They're, I said the two. Then you have Texas, who's ranked fifth. So, and this thing, say one of, uh, say Kansas, Purdue, Houston, or Alabama lost, they can move Texas into one of the four, one of the, uh, one of the one seeds out there. And they're the fifth one, so they're the next one up. Then you have Tennessee, who's the three seed in the Midwest, and they're ranked ninth. Then you have the four seed Xavier, who's 16. So Xavier's the last one, and they're 16. Move on to the East, which is in New York. The one seed is Purdue. They're third ranked. Number two is UCLA, who's eighth. Three is Iowa State, who's 11th. Fourth is Marquette, and they're 14th. Move on to the West. You have Kansas, who's the fourth one seed, so they're four overall. You have number two, Arizona, who's the sixth uh, ranked. Three is Kansas State, which is 11th ranked. Kind of crazy that they have K-State and Kansas in the same region. And then you have Gonzaga, who's the uh, fourth seed, and they're 15th. And so the crazy thing I thought was is this. I can't believe Indiana is in as a four seed over UConn. UConn didn't get in. I thought UConn deserved to get in over Indiana in the top 16, and they didn't give it to UConn. I think UConn's had a better, not a better season, but they've had a tougher schedule. And it shows on their record, yeah, they've lost a couple games, but they've they played a tough, tough schedule, and they've, they've played well, and I thought they deserved it over Indiana. But, hey, like I said, this was just our sneak peek. It's the only sneak peek we're going to get, and obviously it's going to fluctuate because uh, college basketball is wild here, folks. So that was my one big surprise was Indiana over UConn. My other surprise is this. I can't believe they have Texas as the fifth ranked, and so the first two seed. I, I can't believe they have them over Air, uh, Baylor and Arizona for that matter. I, I, I truly believe that Baylor is better than uh, Texas, and I don't care if they've played each other or whatnot. They have played each other, obviously, but I just think Baylor is getting into a groove. They've looked good. Their point guards are so good for Baylor. I mean, it, it is crucial for what they did and what they do. They run through their point guards, and their point guards are fabulous. Another one that was surprising is UCLA. And like I said, UCLA, we talked about it. They're in the AP poll. They're ranked fifth. And on this, they're ranked eighth. They're behind Texas, Baylor, and Arizona. They are literally the last two seed on the two seed line uh, is UCLA. So they're even behind one of their conference foes in Arizona. So that just shows you how that is. Another one that's, I mean, you you think about this. You're thinking about it. You have Baylor, Texas, uh, 
Kansas, K-State. So you've got four already in the top 16 for the Big uh, Big 12. So, I mean, you're, you're thinking about Ben. That's crazy. Four? So they're taking up 25% of the, the top 16. Those That's how good the Big 12 is, guys. Like, that's how great the Big 12 is. And that's why I think the Big 12 can do real big damage when it comes to March Madness. I wouldn't be surprised if... You go to the Elite Eight, and there's uh, at least three teams from the Big 12 in the Elite Eight. Just That's just how it's going to happen because the Big 12 is so packed. They have such good coaches, good recruiting, and they play basketball the right way. I mean, look at K-State. K-State was supposed to finish last, and look at them now. They're, they're uh, in a three-seed line and ranked 11th out of 16. It's crazy what K-State's going to do. And then you have Iowa State. Obviously, Iowa State's doing things out there, too. So that's where it's going to come down to is what the Big 12 is going to do, and it's, it's going to be those kind of things. And a lot of teams could be very upset because, you know, there's one team that I think that has to win the Big 12 tournament and can win the Big 12 tournament, but they have to win the Big 12 tournament, in my opinion, to get into the tournament, and that's Texas Tech. And Texas <laughs> Texas Tech, man, they're, they're getting healthy, and they uh, they look they look pretty good, and they're, they've got a far ways to go to get into the tournament. So that could be one of those, uh, one team that could burst a bubble right there. Like everyone says, oh, they bursted a bubble for, uh, we'll go with Mississippi State, just because I know they're on the bubble right now, and say Mississippi State, it doesn't find a way to get in, and they're on the bubble watch. And so, boom, there goes Texas Tech. They win the Big 12. Oh, there goes Mississippi State's bubble bursted because a team that wasn't supposed to get into the tournament now gets in because they got the at-large bid for winning the conference championship tournament. So that's how that's how why people say, oh, man, that, that team's uh, bubble has been bursted. It's because they were on the bubble, and they could get in as long as there wasn't a team that shouldn't get in. And they get in, so that's that's what it means when someone's uh, bubble is bursted, is because uh, an at-large is taken away from someone who wasn't going to get in unless they got that at-large bid and they got it. All right, so we're going to take a break. I know that was a lot of college basketball, and I I know some of you probably tuned out a little bit right there, but we're gonna we're gonna take a break. When we come back, it's NBA, and like I said, there hasn't been much basketball. We're gonna talk a little bit about some signs, some trades, and some firing. Yeah, some firing has happened today, if you didn't know. But you're listening to JT Noah talk about Just Talking Sports on his radio show right here on UCM, The Beat. People been saying to your friend, get a different face, and posting on their feed, they're super ugly. The things they say to them online are cruel and they're not true. So Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. 
Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah. Man, oh man, is it time for the NBA. And like I said, the NBA has been taking some times out of the game just because of the All-Star break. And so now we're going to talk some news that has happened since the uh, the All-Star break has happened since I've talked about the NBA because it's been a while because I didn't talk about it the last time because I was doing my Super Bowl preview. If you haven't watched that, go on UCMTheBeat.com. Go under uh, Just Talking Sports and you'll find it. It's a podcast. It's not in the format of a live radio just because I didn't have time to do a live radio for it. I just had to make it up on the fly because I wanted to get it out for you guys and I just, like I said, Crest Ridge basketball was in full swing and I didn't, I couldn't get in on Tuesdays to do it. So I made it into a podcast just because I wanted to have that out there. Whatever the case, we'll get into the Super Bowl and stuff uh, another day. But into the uh, NBA, the big news that happened today, let's, there's two big news. We're going to start with the one that happened right before I went on the air. Like about 30 minutes before I went on the air, the Atlanta Hawks decided to fire their head coach, Nate McMillan. Uh, he's 29 and 30 this season with the team. So 29 and 30, one game below 500, but he went 99 and 80. So he had a 55.3% winning percentage, and he was 11 and 12, which is 47.8 uh, percentage in the playoffs. So now the assistant coach Joe Prunty will become the interim coach for the Atlanta Hawks, and I think this is a move mostly due with Trey Young. I think maybe Trey Young had some uh, talks with it, just because you. You hear they want to keep Trey Young around. So Trey Young wants to win, have a winning culture. And right now he doesn't feel that way with the team. So he went out there and I think I think he had probably some say in if they're gonna keep him or not. And at the end of the day they decided to fire him. And so they said they're gonna go right ahead and get into the uh looking for a coach. I mean, they're right now sitting eighth in the Eastern Conference. And so you're you're three games back from the Miami Heat, which is at the seventh spot. You're a half game ahead of the Washington Wizards. So you're in the play-in tournament right now, which is obviously not guaranteeing you getting into the playoffs. But still, they're, they're sitting right there on the graps, right between the seven to 10 line. They're at the eight. So they're looking fine for the playoffs going forward, but they've got to, they've got to find some consistency. And I think that's why they decided to uh, let McMillan go and try to find a new head coach during the season so they can do that as their team is going forward. The next big news out of the NBA was this Lonzo ball for the Chicago bulls is out for the season. Uh, he's, he's had a knee injury and they say it just gives him discomfort in high basketball related activities. So they're just shutting him down for the rest of the season. And, I think it also helps that they just signed Pat Beverly, and that's one of my bullet points coming up. Is they've si- they've signed Pat Beverly uh, because Pat Beverly was bought out and re- uh, let go by the Orlando Magic, and a trade that happened while the trade deadline was still alive is that they got they got traded. Uh, Pat Beverly got traded, so did Russell Will- uh, Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. I almost said Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Westbrook was traded as well, and we'll get into those guys in a minute. But yeah, so I think that that's a huge sign that they now have Pat Beverly on there as well just because of Lonzo Ball uh, being out for the season. And that might have to do with them going to get Patrick Beverly and maybe Patrick Beverly signing with the Bulls, not just because it's his hometown, just because they he knew, okay, about Lonzo Ball and how he might not be able to come back so I can I get some minutes here at my hometown. And I think he decided to sign there. Russell Westbrook uh, is going to sign with the Clippers. Uh, he got traded in the L, uh, the Lakers trade. He was traded to the Jazz. The Jazz bought out his 
contract, and so now he was a free agent, and he signs with the Clippers, so he goes from one L.A. team to the other, goes from the Lakers to the Clippers, and so now he's with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, you've obviously seen them two play together as Paul George and uh, Paul George and uh, Russell Westbrook as they played in OKC together, so they have a little bit of chemistry there, and so we'll see how they go about it down there at, well, in L.A., I guess. He didn't go anywhere. He just went to L.A. back there, so will be interesting to see how the Clippers do. Do I think it helps them in a sense? It, it, it does in a sense a little bit, but I mean, it's nothing major. I don't think uh, Westbrook is who he was back in the day at OKC, so it's not like a major sign like that caused. But I still think he, he can give the Clippers something on the floor and even maybe some more um, leadership role. He could be a, a really good leadership. Obviously, they've got Kawhi and Paul George, but still, he can help with the bench guys as well. And we talked about Patrick Beverly. He planned... Uh, he. He's signing with the Bulls. Kevin Love uh, was released by the Cavs, and he's going to sign with the Heat. So that that there's that. He's signing with the Heat. So you have Bam Adebayo, all those guys, Jimmy Butler. Uh, you got Hero, so Tyler Hero, all those uh, boys down in the beach, Miami Beach. So now Kevin Love comes down there, and he, he can shoot. Kevin Love, obviously he's up in the older range now of where he's at, but still, he can play. He still can play. He's obviously not as dynamic as he is because he's of the older age, like I've said. But still, he can he can do some things out there for the Miami Heat, and they will really take him for that because, like I said, the Miami Heat are also in that situation for the playing game because they are sitting at the seven spot. Now, they're only a half game back from the Knicks for the six spot, so they could jump up and get into the playoffs without playing in the play-in tournament if they can do some work and get inside, and I think they can. But I'm just, I mean, so he can help them there. So that's what I'm, I'm talking about like that. So the Heat, obviously, I think they're going to obviously make the playoffs. I think even if they get into the play-in tournament, they'll find a way to get in to the playoffs. And so, the, like I've said, the East, East is loaded. And so the Heat will find ways. And that's a huge addition for the Heat with Kevin Love. Now let's move on to some notable, 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 I would say things that happened during the All-Star break through the activities and functions of it. Let's start with this. Damian Lillard, <laughs> it's 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 always uh, uh, Dame time, baby, and so uh, he wins the three point contest, and that, and that's great for him. Like he finally won it. It was his third time in it, and he finally wins it. But I think the bigger story about that was uh, it was uh, Tyrese uh, Halliburton. He tied the three point record in the first round. He scored thirty one, and so maybe he used all his juice right there in the first round and couldn't finish it in the uh, final round, as it was uh, it was. Halliburton, it was also, and it was, uh, I believe, oh, it was Buddy Heald, and then it was Damian Lillard. So that's where it came from right there, and Damian Lillard won it, and uh, Halliburton finished in uh, second, and then Buddy Heald in third. So that's how it went, and he finally wins it out of three tries. But the bigger news of that night, it was the same night, it was a dunk contest, it was obviously Mac McClung, and if you don't know who Mac McClung is, please just go look up his high school Um dunk tape I mean it is insane what he was doing in high school and sometimes even in college he really hasn't played in the NBA which is fascinating to me he has only played two NBA games at all uh, all all time that's all I'm saying he's only played two NBA games all time he's been a G League player most of his career and uh, they allowed him to play in the dunk contest just because they know what he can bring and he brought it folks he brought it he's the first G League player to be invited to the event and guess what he won the dunk contest it's insane like there's there was the there was a the thing about how he's only made $102,000 
in the two NBA games he's played in his uh, NBA career, and then he wins the dunk contest and he wins a hundred thousand. So he's he's doubled his uh, fortune because of the dunk contest. So, I mean, he he did fascinating. Uh, all of his dunks were beautiful. Uh, me and my roommates were watching it, and one of my roommates, uh, I won't I won't say his name because I don't want to bash him, but he goes, oh, that wasn't it wasn't that good, and I was like, dude, you're you're nuts. It was it was a really good dunk, and. Uh, he only uh, he got a 49 on that. Uh, the lowest he got was a 49, folks. That's how good it was. They're scored out of 50, and the lowest score he got out of four dunks was a 49. All the others were 50. He was one point away from a perfect dunk contest. Insane. So that's like I was like it, it was it was fascinating and it was wild to watch what he was doing and just to think about it that he was a G League player doing that to the pros is it, it was funny. Now let's move on to. Some other news in the NBA. Now, this is more uh, like later news, more, I would say, older news. But I, I think it's it's something we need to talk about. And that's the two big trades that happened, both involving the Nets. The Brooklyn Nets decided to trade away in two different deals. The two so totally different deals to two different teams. First up, I want to talk about the big one. I think this one's the most major one, and that's the Kevin Durant trade. Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns, and the Phoenix Suns gave up... Um, uh, Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and four unprotected first-round picks, folks. Four unprotected first rounds. Four? Four. They gave up four first-round picks, and they gave up three players. And, I mean, those three players are no uh, no slouts. Let's 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 not go anywhere with that. Cam Johnson can play, and uh, Michael Bridges can definitely play. Those two are fascinating players. Um and I think I think they can help the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are obviously now it's kind of like in a form of in rebuild mode, but I don't think they're fully in that rebuild mode just because you're not going to be like, oh yeah, we're in rebuild mode. They're obviously going to, I think, still make the playoffs. Like they're in a position right now where they're in the fifth seed right now. If the playoffs started, they are seven and a half back from the Boston Celtics. They're two games up on the Knicks, so they still have a ways to go for them to even fall out of the playoffs. And I don't think they will. It'll be interesting to see how this young team does when they get to the playoffs because they've actually played pretty well together in the games without Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant. And if you didn't hear the little spoiler there, Kyrie is traded as well. But Kyrie was traded for, and he was traded to, I should say, the Mavericks. And very, very fascinating for that. And I will get into both of the other sides of these trades in a minute. But the the Mavs, they gave up Spencer Dinwiddie, Doran Finney-Smith, two second-round picks, and one unprotected first-round draft pick in 2029. So 2029, guys, 2029. It's 2023 right now, so that's in six more years. So think about that. So in six more years, how old will you be? Well, if I'm thinking about it, I will be I'll be 28 years old, and this player is getting drafted. That, that's that's crazy, man. This this kid could be 13 years old right now. He could be 12 for all we know. Like that, that's crazy. No, no, no. He can't be 12. He could be. He could definitely be 13 right now. But he could be an he could be an eighth grader right now, folks. That is fascinating. Or no, sixth grader. It's a sixth grader. Holy crap! That is so weird to me. What they've done with that trade. Now for the Kevin Durant one for the Phoenix Suns. This now you have you have CP3 obviously. Devin Booker, Devin Booker is still injured though. DeAndre Ayton, which that's the the most fascinating thing to me about the Suns doing this trade. They didn't have to get rid of Ayton. I thought for sure if they were going to trade for Kevin Durant, they were going to have to get rid of Ayton. They didn't have to get rid of Ayton, folks. They kept Ayton. 
And obviously, they gave it rid of those three and the, the picks. But they kept Aiden. They've got CP3 still, Chris Paul, obviously, Devin Booker, and now you have Kevin Durant. I feel like they're going all in. You you would think they're going all in, right? I think they're going all in. And I think it was a great move by them. Obviously, Kevin Durant's a little injured still, and he hasn't played for him yet. But once he comes healthy, he's going to be ready for the playoffs. And they'll be fine for that because, I mean, the Suns are sitting pretty right now. The Suns are in the fifth spot. They're a game above the Dallas Mavericks, which is funny. And they're only a half a game back from the four spot to get for the Clippers. So, I mean, they're they're sitting pretty. And then you move on to the Dallas Mavericks. This is the one where it's going to be more interesting to me. Because it's going to be interesting to see how Luka Doncic and Kyrie play together. They've only played really one game together. And it, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they mesh. Because you... You, we always talk about this. We always talk about, okay, who's who's the ball handler? Well, Luka loves to have the ball in his hands, but Kyrie loves to have the ball in their hands. It'll be interesting to see how they work offensively, but more more importantly, where is their defense coming from? Because, really, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith was their defensive player. And so now you got rid of him for the trade. Who's going to step up on the defensive side for the Mavericks? It'll be more fascinating. I think I think the Mavericks might have to be playing in the playing game, low-key, just because of the way their roster's built, getting ready for both Kyrie and Luka to play together. I think they're going to have some problems, some issues, and I think they're going to have to fall down from the sixth seed, and they're going to fall probably to the seven. They're only a half a game above the Timberwolves and Pelicans, and so I think they could fall into the playing game, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm way more confident in the Suns than I am in the Mavericks after those trades. Alrighty, alrighty. Now for the last thing before we move on and go to a break. It's this. Since it's the All-Star break and there's only 29 more games left of the regular season for the NBA, let's let's talk about this. What team outside of the bubble, even outside the play-in tournament, so they're not ranked in the top 10 of each conference, can get into the play-in tournament or even in the playoffs? Let's start with the Western. I'm going Portland Trailblazers here, folks. Portland Trailblazers. I almost wanted to go to Utah Jazz, but I just don't... I, I, I can't. I, I like Damian Lillard, and I like... Uh, uh, Nur- uh, Nurkic over there as well for Portland. So I think those that team's uh, more suited than Utah is to make the leap and get into the top ten. And I think okay, I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to fall a little bit. It's not going to be a drastic fall, but you got to think about it. Utah and Portland are only a half game back from OKC, and I don't see Golden State, who's only <laughs> a half game ahead of OKC, to fall much farther. Even though Steph Curry has been hurt, I. I I just think Portland's going to make a move, and they're going to get ahead of Utah and OKC to get in in front of those two. I just think Portland has more depth. They have a they have a better veteran lead leading team, and I think that's the reason they will get into the playoffs on the Western side. Now we move on to the Eastern side. I felt so much more uh, better about this yesterday than today once the news came out about Lonzo. But I have the Chicago Bulls. I think the Chicago Bulls, even though they're two games back, they are two games back from Toronto uh, from the ten spot. But I really like the Pat Patrick Beverly move to go get him, sign him, and I also really I just think I don't think I don't think it's going to be Toronto that falls off. It's the Wizards who are ahead of Toronto. The Wizards are thirteen. Uh, they're thirteen and a half back from Boston. They're only a half game lead on Toronto, and they're only two and a half game lead on the Bulls. And I think Chicago can find a way to move up. They've lost six straight, so they needed this break. But I think I think the Chicago Bulls are going to find a way to pull it out. They're going to find a way to get some wins, and they're going to go in, and they're going to win and get into the playing tournament. And I think they're going to get the 10 spot. I think Toronto's going to get the 8, and I think Atlanta's going to get the 9. So it's going to be a little mixture right there. Right now it's 7 Heat. Eight Hawks, nine Wizards, ten Raptors, and I think it's going to go Heat seven, or Heat might even get in. It'll be Knicks seven, it'll be Raptors eight, 
Hawks 9, Bulls 10. That's where I think it's going to fall right there, and the Wizards are going to get booted out. We'll see what happens, though. All right, when we come back for the final time in probably at least at least a month, I'm going to say it, at least a month, we're going to talk NFL. The last time for a month we're talking NFL, we're going to go over how my predictions went for the season. We're going to talk about quarterback carousel, and we're going to talk about some coaches on the move, whether that be for assisting, for offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, or maybe even some head coaching jobs. But you're listening to Just Talking Sports right here on UCM, The Beat. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else, childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah, of course, right? Like always. And now it's time to get into our final segment of this show with about 18 minutes to go. Excuse me. Had a little burp. Oopsie. It's about 18 minutes to go on our show, and we're going to get into the NFL, folks. And let's start with this. I, as much as I want to talk about the uh, coaches on the move and some players even on the move and the quarterback carousel and my uh, my reaction to my rankings and how I did... Let's start with this one, the big the big daddy of them all. We know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yes, cool, congrats. On a really, 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 really good Super Bowl, like one of the better Super Bowls we've seen in a while. And it was really, it's been really held back because of that holding call at the very end on when it happened against the Eagles, but it was held on Juju Smith-Schuster, who was running a route. And so that's where it's coming. It was on Bradbury, and Bradbury even admitted it was a hold. But still, you don't like to see games end on calls like that. You know what I mean? And I'm a Chiefs fan. You all know this. So that's where I'm coming from, and that's where I stand with it. But obviously the big question now with them winning it is can they repeat? Because it always happens to the team that wins. Okay, the Super Bowl. Hey, can they repeat? Well, people thought the uh, the Rams could, and look what happened to the Rams this year. Yeah, that was crazy, right? Of course. Um, But let's talk about it. The Chiefs, honestly, as much as I want to be like, oh, you can't do that, and as much as, oh, they can't do that, the Chiefs, if you really want to be funny about it, they've broke a lot of, like, oh, you can't do it because of this. Oh, Patrick Mahomes won MVP. You can't win the Super Bowl because that can't happen. Once an MVP wins the NF MVP regular season, you can't win it. Win the Super Bowl. Oh, well, the Chiefs did that. The Chiefs uh, won the coin toss, and then they still won. So there's that as well. So the Chiefs definitely can repeat 
it's going to be very tough for the Chiefs to repeat. And I'm I'm being realistic if I'm being honest with you. Now, the, the, the thing that's got the Chiefs going for this, though, is the Chiefs have the seventh, they had the seventh most rookies per snaps. That That's crazy. And they had the third most on defense because you got to think about it. The defense is where their money was worthy at for their draft and their draft picks were. They really went after the defense for the draft picks. You got Karloffis, McDuffie, uh, Williams, Watson, even Cook, the safety. So, and there was um, some linebackers out there, uh, Leo Chenard. Um, so, and then you obviously had some offense, Isaiah Pacheco and Sky Moore. So you had those players as well out there and Sky Moore obviously had his up and his down, but he really played well especially in the last two games, the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. He played very well. And so, obviously, the defense has played well. And so, your, your defense is young. There's some, there's some very, very fortunate and uh, uh, key, key players that you could go free, free agent this uh, season. But another thing that's really fascinating about this Chiefs is, one, uh, they're hosting the draft this year, which is awesome, first off. Uh, I'm very happy. I live in Kansas City, just not because of the Super Bowl, but because of the draft. Um, as most of you don't know this, uh, uh, this is going to be tough. Um, my uh, my grandpa uh, passed away in December. Um, it was tough. And uh, me and my grandpa and my brother, uh, I love you, Charles, um, we, uh, we would watch the draft together. And so... Uh, Charles sometimes wouldn't watch the draft, but we would watch the Chiefs games. Every every time they would play, I would come home from Warrensburg to watch uh, the Chiefs game with my grandpa and with Charles. And so um, my grandpa is really the reason I'm into football uh, and sports to this day. But um, when draft would come around, my grandpa would buy each of us a book, a draft book, and we would sit and watch the draft together and go through the book. And we would write down each... Each team would draft, and we would look at it and be like, "Okay, is this a good pick? Is this a good pick?" And so, um, it's gonna it's gonna be weird uh, this year without him. And it was weird without him watching the Chiefs. I'll tell you that much. Um, so it it, it was tough. Um, uh, I I just know he was watching down um, during the AFC Championship and the, the Super Bowl. He was he was anxious. I know that for sure. But he was he was happy. Um, so. Uh, it's it's been tough, but it's it's I'm getting I'm getting through it. Um, I mean, he's the reason I'm here right now. Uh, so uh, I love you, Grandpa, and I I truly miss you. Um, let's get off that sad story. Anyway, um, the Chiefs have uh, they also have seven million in cap space, and they have nine draft picks. So that's where I was going with the draft. Um, before we went on that story, uh, they had they have nine draft picks. The Chiefs do so. And there's only seven rounds, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't think they're going to move out of the first round. Uh, they won't do that. There's only 31 picks in the first round, actually, if you didn't know that, thanks to the Miami Dolphins and their uh, little thing they got caught, uh, caught on with Tom Brady's, and so they lost their first-round pick this year. So there's only 31 picks in the first round, which is one uh, one less than usual because there's 32 teams, obviously. So the Chiefs will be drafting 31 and not uh, 32. <laughs> Funny, right? And so... And then they have the nine picks. I think they might trade. I could see them trading up in like to the second or third round to grab an extra player with a little bit of those extra picks they have. Um, but some key free agents that the Chiefs have. They have uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent. Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, Jarek McKinnon. Juan Thornhill, the safety. Uh, 
Andrew Wiley, who played a phenomenal game against the Eagles on uh, Hassan Reddick. You have Tommy Townsend, the punter, uh, and Mikko Hardman as well. Now, uh, we all, we all, I think Mikko Hardman, they're going to let Mikko Hardman walk just because you have Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and MVS is still on the team. I think they re-signed Juju Smith-Schuster. As much as it's going to probably not pan out in their favor, they're going to franchise tag Orlando Brown and try to work out a deal with him, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to the franchise tag. I think they let Wiley walk. I think they let Wiley walk, uh, and they draft. They'll draft uh, an offensive lineman. They'll draft. They'll probably draft a couple. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Jarek McKinnon because Jarek McKinnon was a huge part of this offense, especially in the passing game like we've talked about. We'll see what they do with that. And Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill, it'll be de- I think it'll depend on if they think uh, Brian Cook, the rookie, is uh, ready to be a starter full-time next year. So I think they're going to take some time on that. And then Tommy Townsend, I bet they bring Tommy Townsend back. I'll bring him back on, what, a $1 million to $1.3 million contract, I bet. So we'll see what they do there. So there's where the Chiefs, there's where the Chiefs lie, and that's why they could uh, repeat is because of how young they are, one, how much draft picks they have, and really there's not very big free agents on their team that are going to be uh, free agents, and they have $7 million cap space right now, and they could obviously make some more with that if they decide to cut some players that have a lot of money coming towards them. Now... For Derek Carr, Derek Carr uh, was benched in the se- regular season by the Raiders, and guess what? He was released. They wanted to trade him, but he had a no trade clause, so he he had all the chips in his hand, and he said, "You're not getting anything for me. You're going to release me, and then I get to pick where I go." And he had he had this he had the sense of where he could go anyway because he had the no trade clause, but he really forced their hand because they're not getting anything in return. You're just releasing me, and guess what? You're going to have to go find a quarterback, and you're getting nothing in return. So props to you, Derek Carr. You have Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, he leaves the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Colts offensive coordinator. He was the uh, Jacks passing coordinator. So we'll see what he can do up there for the Colts. Obviously, they needed to redo their offense completely because their offense was no good. Their whole team was no good this year. The Chargers defensive coordinator, Ronaldo Hill, actually leaves the Chargers. It wasn't he got fired. He left the Chargers, and he's headed with uh, Fangio, Vic, uh, uh, Fangio to Miami. They're going to the South Beach together because Vangio, uh, Vic Vangio is going to be the defense coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Eric Bieniemy heads to Washington for the offensive coordinator job and the assistant head coach job in Washington. And I'm going to stop there with that one right there because I want to talk about it. Listen, as much as much as much hate as Bieniemy is getting for this move, I think it was the move he, he knew he had to make as because everything that he's done so far has worked out brilliantly. Think about it. He took over as the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes became quarterback, starting quarterback, I should say. And guess what? All they've done is gone to five AFC championships, hosted five AFC championships. They're 2-1 and one in the Super Bowl. Yada, yada. They've lost two uh, AFC championship games in overtime at home. One to the Patriots on what I call Patrick Mahomes' rookie season, but it was really his second season, but his first season starting. They lost in overtime to the Patriots. And then last year, of course, they lost to the Bengals in overtime, which we can call probably the worst half of Chiefs football in Patrick Mahomes' era. And guess what? They still went back to the Super Bowl this year. They not only went back, they won it against a team that had way, way better roster. I don't care what you say. They had a way better roster than the Chiefs, but the only thing they didn't have was a better coach and a better quarterback, and that's all that matters with the Chiefs. 
So Eric Bieniemy, I think, decides he wants to leave because everyone believes it's Andy Reid calling the plays and it's because of Patrick Mahomes. So he takes the job in Washington. I hope it pays out for him. I want him to be a head coach. I think he deserves to be a head coach, and I think this was the move he had to make if he wants to become a head coach in the NFL. That's why he took the job in Washington. Also, let's be real here. The head coach for Washington is Ron Rivera. Say Ron Rivera retires at the end of this year or even next year. Now you have him, Eric Bieniemy, as the assistant head coach who can now take over as the head coach right away. So I think he's looking at it like that, and I think it was the right move for Eric Bieniemy, whether you like it or not. Panthers hire Thomas Brown as their offensive coordinator. He comes over from the Rams. He was the assistant head coach slash tight end coach. And he's been with the Rams for the, uh, the last three seasons. He obviously won the helped him win the Super Bowl um, last year. So there's that for the coaches. Now let's move on to the quarterback carousel. And obviously we don't know. I we don't know a couple of these, uh, especially one of these quarterbacks, if they're even going to be on the move. Uh, but you'll, you'll you'll find out what I think about them. So let's start off with Derek Carr. Obviously a free agent, thanks to the Raiders releasing him. I have him going to the Saints. He talked to the Saints before he was released because they thought maybe they could trade for him. And now he's a free agent, so now the Saints can go after him and get him without even really losing anything in return to the Raiders. Now you have Aaron Rodgers, who we don't know. This is the one we don't know about. Will he stay with Green Bay or will he go? I think he's going to go, actually. I think they're going to trade him. They're going to trade him to the Jets. I think he's going to the Jets, and I think it's going to work out. Nathaniel Hackett's over there, so I think he's going to go to the Jets, and then that leaves the Packers with love. I think they've got to give love a chance. Daniel Jones, I think he's going to stay with the Giants. Geno Smith staying with the Seahawks. Why would he leave the Seahawks? I mean, that would be a really bad move, in my opinion, for Geno to leave the Seahawks. I think Lamar Jackson's going to get franchise tagged and stay with the Ravens. I know he won't like that, but they're, they say they're not really close on a deal, so I think they're going to franchise tag Jackson. Here's a here's a crazy one for y'all. Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo goes to Miami. I think Jimmy Garoppolo signs with Miami. I, I just see it. Think about it. You have uh, McDaniels, who was at uh, the 49ers, and now you get Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo really works within that system. The short passing game, I know it's not really the RPOs that'll work well, well, but he can really do some things with Waddle and with Hill with those guys out there. I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo headed to Miami wouldn't surprise me one bit. Sam Darnold, I think, is going to stay with the Panthers. Um, I, they got to have a quarterback. Do they go draft one? Maybe, but I think you, you've you got to re-sign Sam Darnold anyway as a backup, even if you get a quarterback. He could be a helpful teacher in that sense. I think Baker Mayfield's going to sign with the Rams. I have no idea what Baker Mayfield's going to do, uh, but I think he needs to stay with the Rams. I mean, he really did some really well things for the Rams when he played for them. Teddy Bridgewater, I think he could go to the Bears. I don't know why I think of the Bears for Teddy Bridgewater, but I think he would he would fit the system in a sense. If Justin Fields gets hurt, you could play uh, Teddy Bridgewater in Chicago. Taylor Heineke goes to the Chargers. I, I, he fits the bill for the Chargers, doesn't he? He just fits the bill for what you think of a backup quarterback for the Chargers. Their backup quarterback right now is Chase Daniels, but he's a free agent, so that's why you would go out and maybe get ta- uh, Heineke here. I, I think you might go get Heineke. I'm, I'm as a Chiefs fan. I'm hoping Chase Daniels comes to KC. Honestly, be a really cool thing. Just because, um, obviously, Chad Henney retired as the backup for Kansas City. So go out and get Chase Daniels, who I think is remarkably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And last, Gardner Minshew. Okay, Gardner Minshew. I don't think is going to re-sign with the Eagles. But okay, tell me, tell me I'm wrong here, please, folks. Tell me if I'm wrong. Do you not see Gardner Minshew in a Lions uniform with? <laughs> Campbell out there, man. 
eating kneecaps, dude, those two fit personality-wise. I think those two are the best personality-wise you could put together as of right now. I think it would work so well for them. I think if you put those two together in Detroit as a backup, obviously, to Jared Goff, it would work out so well because of their personality traits. They they fit so well into the system of what the Lions are about with Campbell there. I, I think it works out great for them. So that's why I think it's going to go. All right, I have about four minutes to get through my last segment, which is the uh, the standings. And how did I do? Okay, let's start with the E. We're going to start with the uh, AFC East, where I thought the Bills would win the division. The Dolphins would be second, Patriots a third, and Jets fourth. How did I do? Bills first, Miami second, uh, Patriots third, Jets fourth. Wow, JG, you did it. You did it. Yeah, yeah, you did it. Obviously, I didn't get the records right because... I had Bills going 13 and 4 and they went 13 and 3. Oh my gosh. I could have had it right, but they didn't play that one game uh in uh, Cincinnati. That's crazy to me. All right, moving on. You have the AFC South. And the AFC South was won by uh the AFC South was won by the Jags. I didn't think the Jags would win it. I had them in third. I had the Colts. I had the Colts winning it, folks. Yeah, shame me all you want. I had the Colts winning it. Colts finished in third. I had the Texans in last, though. Of course, they did. Uh, I didn't think the Titans were going to win it, so there's that. There's that for me. The Titans did finish in second. AFC North, I had the Ravens winning. The Ravens got second. The Bengals got first. The Steelers got third, and the Browns got fourth. I went Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Browns. Okay, I got the first two mixed up. And then in the AFC West, haha, I went Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. It went Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Okay, well, I got the bottom two wrong. Well, well guess what? I told you who was going to be the first one. And guess what? It happened. The Chiefs. Now, let's go on to the uh, the standings for the AFC. And I believe I had... I uh, Let's look at my standings here, folks. Oh, yep. Guess what? Chiefs won. I had it right. Chiefs won. Guess who had two? I had Bills two. Guess who were two? Bills. The three... Now, let's not talk about the three. I, I, had, the bang, uh, I had the Ravens as three. The Bengals got it. And then fourth, I had the Colts... Now, obviously, I didn't have the Jags in, so okay, got me there. But I did think the AFC South was going to get the fourth spot. My fifth seed was the Chargers. The fifth seed was the Chargers. The sixth seed was going to be the Bengals, and I picked the Bengals, but the Ravens got it. So I just had those two flipped. And then I said the Dolphins were going to get seventh, and guess what? The Dolphins got seventh. So re- in reality, I had six out of seven teams correct for the playoffs. The only one I had wrong were the Colts, and I, I can live with the Colts being bad, I guess, because... Even though they were bad, guess what? The Chiefs lost to them. That's how you know the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. When you lose to a bad team like the Colts, the Chiefs win. It's just how it goes, right? All right, let's move on to the NFC. I did way worse in the NFC, folks. I'll tell you that much right now. I probably did way worse in the NFC. All right, I go. I went Rams, 49ers, Arizona, Seattle. Lovely. It was, it was not like that. I'll tell you that much. I know that for sure. It went 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Yeah, oh my. I went Rams, 49ers, Cardinals, Seahawks. And it went 49ers, Seahawks. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's not even talk about that one, all right? Then you have the uh, the North, or excuse me, the South, where I went Saints, Bucks, Panthers, Falcons. <sighs> nope. I went Buccaneers, Panthers, Saints, Falcons. Yikes, man, yikes. I thought the Saints were going to do so much better, and they didn't. Um, let's not even talk about the record for the AFC South, though. Let's, like, not even do that. They didn't even, none of them finished above 500. Wow, that's sad still, folks. Into the NFC North, I did do this one right. I did pick the Vikings. The Vikings went 12 and 5. That's what I predicted. They went 13 and 4. Mm, so close. Lions went 9 and 8. I picked them to go 7 and 10. 
and they finished second. I picked them third. Packers went eight and nine. They finished third. I had them second. And Bears, of course, went last. And I had their record right, folks. I picked three and fourteen. They went three and fourteen. Oh, that is a double. That's a double boogie right there, folks. I don't even know what that means. I'm not good with golf, but who cares? I did great there. Moving on to the NFC East, I have the Eagles. I did pick the Eagles. They went. I said twelve and five. They went fourteen and three. Dallas Cowboys went. I said ten and seven. They went twelve and five. Then the Commanders and Giants. Okay, I was really low on the Giants, and guess what? They 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 proved me wrong. The Giants did well. So I had the Giants going four and thirteen. They finished what? Nine and seven, and they won a playoff game on the road. Crazy. That's crazy. Okay, I had the Rams to one seed. Oh my god, that looks so bad now. I had the Rams to one seed. Eagles two seed. Three Vikings. Hey, I did have that right. The Vikings did get the three seed. Saints didn't make the playoffs. Bucks got the four. They were like the five. Packers didn't make it. So. Out of there, I, oh gosh, that's really bad. I, I did not do well there, folks. I went four of seven with the teams. Eagles, Bucks, Vikings, 49ers. Yeah, four of seven. But I did get the Super Bowl prediction right. I said I said Chiefs, Eagles. I said Chiefs, Eagles. Don't let them forget you. I did say Chiefs, Eagles, okay? Chiefs, Eagles was my Super Bowl pick, and it worked. Um, I did get some of those right. I can't believe I got uh, the exact record for the Bears. Uh, it's insane to me, okay? Insane to me. All right. We, I got to get going. I got to get going, all right? I, I'll let you all go, but you know what it is. It's the, the answer for your question. The answer for your question. Remember, the question of the day or the show was, who won the College Basketball Player of the Year last year? And the answer is Oscar Sheboy, baby, from Kentucky. He was the second ever to do it in school history. Oscar Sheboy won it last year. Uh, he ain't going to win it this year. Uh, Kentucky was better last year than they were this year, but Sheboy's still having a pretty good season this year. He's the he's the leader for that team, but he's not winning it this year. Like I said, Zeki, he's winning it this year. Alrighty, folks, that's the show. It's been a great one, hasn't it? I know, I know. It's been a fun one, been a long ride. So it's been it's been crazy. Um, remember, I love you all. Uh, you all have a blessed evening. Um, watch some college basketball. Do what you want to do. We're gonna talk later. Um, like I said, I love you all. You have a great one. And until next time, peace out. Bye.